You're listening to For the Record with Tess Hurd. I'm Tess Hurd, and this is For the Record. For the Record with Tess Hurd. I'm Tess Hurd, and this is For the Record. I want to start out by giving a little bit of a trigger warning for this case. It does involve child abuse and the abuse of a dependent adult. So if you are sensitive to that topic or just don't like these kinds of cases, then I would skip this episode and potentially next week's episode as it will be a two-part case. So listen at your own discretion. So this is a case that I'm sure many of you are well aware of. It's one that in the world of true crime many have differing opinions and mindsets on and what happened and who is truly at fault. I have my own opinions and unlike others I'm not staying impartial. I'm pretty well grounded in my opinions on this case and it would take a whole lot to get me to change my mind. So like I said in the trigger warning this does involve child abuse but it's not your typical child abuse. There are a few instances where there is some physical abuse but basically this is a case of Munchausen by proxy and if you don't know what Munchausen by proxy is then A very simplified version is that it is a disorder that causes a parent, typically a mother, to make their child sick. Whether that be they are actually making them sick or they are giving them medications that give the symptoms where like the the side effects are symptoms of being sick that's basically what it is. They usually do it for attention or sympathy or in this case a mix of those plus monetary gain. This is the case of a young woman who was lied to, manipulated, and forced to believe that she was critically and chronically ill. This is a case that if you haven't heard it before leave your head spinning and asking yourself how in the world and why. This is a mother's poison and this is the case of Gypsy Rose and Dee Dee Blake. So before I get into the details of Gypsy, I want to talk first about her parents, Claudine aka Dee Dee and Rod Blanchard. Dee Dee and Rod met when Dee Dee was 24 and Rod was 17. Here we go again with this gap thing. Do people really not think age matters? I mean, I know if someone is 18 and someone else is 30, no one bats an eye. But come on, we've got to stop letting our kids get involved with adults. But that's 
another episode for another day. While Dee Dee was a few years older than Rod, they really seemed to like one another. They met first at the local bowling alley, then went on a date about a week later. After that, they were pretty much head over heels for one another. When Dee Dee found out she was pregnant, they were both really excited. Being raised in the South, though, Rod felt like it was his responsibility to marry Dee Dee and be a good husband and father to his new family. So that's what they did. They married shortly after they found out they were expecting. Their marriage didn't last very long, though. According to an article on Mary Claire, Rod realized shortly after Gypsy was born that he didn't really love Dee Dee. He said, quote, I wasn't in love with her, really. I knew I got married for the wrong reasons. So, while things between Rod and Dee Dee were on the rocks, everything with Gypsy was still fine. But that would quickly start to change. Now, jumping to Gypsy. Gypsy was born on July 27th, 1991. She was a beautiful, happy, healthy baby girl. She was the light of her parents' lives, and they were beyond thrilled to be parents. They gushed over her tiny cheeks and how perfect her little fingers and toes were. She, by all accounts, was absolutely thriving. It wasn't until after Dee Dee and Rod separated that things with Gypsy suddenly started to take a turn for the worst. By the time Gypsy was only three months old, Dee Dee had taken her to the doctor multiple times and told Rod that she wasn't breathing right. She ended up telling Rod that Gypsy had sleep apnea and that the doctors had put her on a CPAP machine. From then on, Gypsy would be diagnosed with conditions ranging from leukemia to epilepsy to being mentally challenged even stating that one of her epileptic seizures caused her to become paralyzed from the thighs down. By the time Gypsy was eight years old, she had been, quote, diagnosed with leukemia, muscular dystrophy, epilepsy, mentally, she was mentally challenged, hearing impaired, visually impaired, paralyzed from the thighs down, had bowel degeneration, she had sleep apnea, asthma, and anxiety. But I mean, if we had that many issues, we'd probably have anxiety too, right? Like, I'm a type 1 diabetic, and back in 2021, my diabetes sent me into a full mental breakdown, and I've been medicated ever since. So, I understand that much. So, Dee Dee had told Rod that all of these conditions were caused because of a chromosomal issue. I don't really know about that. Because of all of her issues, and especially because of her bowel issues, Gypsy had to have a feeding tube put in. And because of the muscular dystrophy and because of the epileptic seizure, that caused her to go paralyzed, she did not have the ability to use her legs, so she was in a wheelchair. Dee Dee had told Rod that Gypsy would never live past 20 years old, and even if she did, she would be miserable her entire life. Well, yeah, she'd be miserable. She had Dee Dee as a mother, but I'll get to that. 
So, I know you're probably asking, why didn't Rod do anything? I asked that as well. And that's one reason why I wanted to introduce you to him at the beginning of the story. You see, Rod had a hard time believing that Gypsy had all of these issues. Even whenever she was just a baby and Dee Dee was saying that Gypsy had sleep apnea, like, he never heard of a baby having sleep apnea and he thought that was really strange. And then with the walking and the seizures and everything, he just, he really wasn't buying it. And then... Dee Dee's sister, Gypsy's aunt, had told him at one point that Gypsy could, in fact, walk. So Rod decided to ask Dee Dee about it. Dee Dee claimed that her muscular dystrophy made her muscles weak, but when she was feeling strong enough to, she could walk, but it would eventually progress to make it where she wasn't able to. So the wheelchair was, I guess, as needed. But then what about the seizure that paralyzed her? After being questioned by Rod, Dee Dee decided to move away from Rod and his prying questions. She didn't want anyone to second guess what she was telling them. I don't know where all exactly Dee Dee and Gypsy lived. There isn't much of a paper trail. And that's all due to Hurricane Katrina, which also plays a huge role in this story. What I do know is that while Gypsy was growing up and living with all of these insane medical conditions and heartbreaking prognoses, her and Dee Dee were able to basically make bank off of it. They were able to go on trips to Disney World and go on all kinds of vacations. They received donations and grants and all kinds of money from all over the world just because the media loved mother-daughter duo so much. And to the naked eye, Dee Dee and Gypsy really seemed like such a sweet little family. They faced everything together. They fought Gypsy's health together, they survived Hurricane Katrina together, and because of that, they were gifted with a brand new home from Habitat for Humanity in Springfield, Missouri. At this point in time, Gypsy had gone through so much with her health. Because of, all the because of all the medication she was on, she began losing her teeth. She had to have glands and lymph nodes removed. And she's had more surgeries than anyone I've ever heard of, except on maybe medical TV dramas. But despite everything, despite the medicine, despite the sickness, despite losing her teeth and having to go through everything that she had been through, she was still such a happy person and had such an amazing outlook on life. She dreamed of one day being able to be a princess. She loved Disney and her favorite princess of all was Rapunzel. In a documentary on HBO called Mommy, Dead, and Dearest, she said that Rapunzel was her favorite because Mother Grothel kept her in a tower all of her life, but she was finally able to break free and be the princess she always wanted to be. Y'all, my heart. That hurt my heart so bad. So when Dee Dee and Gypsy were given this house in Springfield, they did an interview inside their new home where Gypsy said that this house was like a fairy tale to her, like her dreams really were coming true. The hope and innocence in this girl's heart. 
anyone would be hard-pressed to think she could do anything that wasn't pure and angelic. But things weren't what they seemed. Inside this little pink house with a wheelchair ramp and green grass, the life that Gypsy lived was anything but one of, of a fairy tale. And the events that would unfold are something you'd read in a Brothers Grimm book rather than something from Han Christian Andersen. Truth be told, there wasn't anything wrong with Gypsy. She was actually totally and completely healthy. Gypsy could walk. She could run. She could swim and crawl and do anything anyone else could do. She didn't have cancer. She didn't have muscular dystrophy. She didn't have asthma or epilepsy or sleep apnea or any of the medical conditions Dee Dee said that she had. Let me tell you the questions that I have had about this. How did Dee Dee make the doctors believe that Gypsy was so ill? Well, when the doctors would start asking questions, Dee Dee would stop taking Gypsy to see them. When they moved to Springfield, she would tell doctors that they lost all of her medical records in Hurricane Katrina, and thus only having Dee Dee's word for what Gypsy's medical history was. And that's one of the reasons Hurricane Katrina played such a big part in this story. So, that gave Dee Dee the ability to tell all of the doctors exactly what she wanted to. And they really had no choice but to take her word for it. If they questioned Dee Dee, she would throw a fit and then take Gypsy elsewhere. And if they even remotely suggested that Gypsy didn't really have one of these conditions, she would just absolutely lose her mind over it. In one of the doctor's notes, he did write that Dee Dee really wasn't a good historian and actually mentioned something about Munchausen by proxy. And I don't know how Dee Dee found out that he had written that, but when she did, she was furious. <clears throat> the medications alone that were inside of this house. When going through the home, police officers found a closet full, like a double-doored pantry almost, closet full of medications, which, like I said before, some of them ended up making Gypsy's teeth fall out, but that was just another medical condition that Dee Dee said was wrong with Gypsy. So, at this point in time, Gypsy really didn't question her health. She believed everything her mother said, except that she couldn't walk. Gypsy knew that she could walk and was able to be mobile without the need of a wheelchair, but other than that, she said that she never questioned what her mother said. And why would she? That was her mother. Her mother loved her. Her mother wanted what was best for her. She also said that when it came to her medications, Dee Dee would put all of her pills in her feeding tube, and she never knew what was really being given to her. 
at one point, someone did call Child Protective Services and request a welfare check on Gypsy. When social workers showed up, Dee Dee made sure to give Gypsy some type of medication that made her seem like she really was mentally challenged. And then, doing what she did best, Dee Dee was able to manipulate the social workers into thinking Gypsy was fine outside of her health. As in, Dee Dee was taking care of her because she was sick. So, we're clearly seeing that Gypsy has fallen through the cracks of not only doctors, but child protective services, social workers, and eventually the police. But still, at this point, Gypsy didn't really question anything. It wouldn't be until a few weeks later that things start to come to light for Gypsy. I don't know how she found it, but at some point, Gypsy finds a birth certificate and a Medicare card that had her birthday as July 27th, 1991, making her 19 years old. Instead of the 15 years old that Dee Dee had made her believe in 2010. When Gypsy found this information out, she confided in a friend whom she had met at a, it was some sort of comic convention. I'm not really sure what it was though. It wasn't Comic Con, but it was something similar to that. And this friend told her to pack her bags and come and stay with him. Now, this wasn't any type of sexual relationship or anything like that. It was just a guy trying to help out Gypsy, help out his friend. So Gypsy did just that. She packed a bag and grabbed the papers with her actual birth date on them and ran away to Kansas where this friend was at. In less than four hours, Dee Dee had tracked Gypsy down and was banging on this friend's door, ready to drag Gypsy back home. She threatened to call the police on the friend and have him arrested for kidnapping and sexual assault on a minor. The friend, not knowing really what to do or what to believe, didn't fight Dee Dee and let Gypsy go. When Dee Dee and Gypsy returned to their home in Springfield, Dee Dee proceeded to smash Gypsy's laptop and cell phone with a hammer and told Gypsy that if she ever tried anything like that again, she would smash her fingers with that same hammer. Dee Dee then took a pair of handcuffs and a dog leash and tied Gypsy up to her bed, where she would remain for nearly two weeks. She also, at this time, beat Gypsy with a coat hanger. During this time, Gypsy was really starting to think that maybe she wasn't as sick as her mother had made her out to be. And after this incident with the friend in Kansas, Dee Dee went to a lawyer to have papers drawn up saying that Gypsy was incompetent and unable to make decisions for herself. So essentially, Dee Dee was making herself Gypsy's power of attorney and was doing everything in her power to make sure Gypsy would always be forced to depend on her. When this happened, Gypsy really began to feel afraid of what her life was going to be like. She couldn't imagine living like this for the rest of her life, not having any independence or freedom, not knowing what was real or what wasn't not being able to date or even have the chance to explore 
relationships of any kind. She didn't have any friends. She was told by Dee Dee that if she wanted friends, she could make friends with her Barbie dolls. And so that's what she did. Her toys were her friends. And at this point, now knowing that she's 19 years old, that seemed really ridiculous to go and play with your Barbie dolls. Now, I'm not saying that it's bad for someone to have things, have toys that, you know, they still like to mess around with. My husband and I both are still really big into Pokemon and we're in our 30s. Like, we have little stuffed Pokemon all over the house. And we also have a baby Yoda. And to be honest, I bought that baby Yoda so I could have something to snuggle with whenever he was at work. So toys in themselves aren't a bad thing. But when you're being forced to sit and play it pretend by yourself at 19 years old because your mommy won't let you have friends, that's when things get a little weird. And to top it all off, Gypsy was really beginning to feel like a young adult who was really wanting to experience a relationship like she'd seen in all of those fairy tale movies. She wanted to find love. She wanted to get married. She wanted to have a family of her own. And that's absolutely normal and natural for someone her age. I was a little kid and I remember from... Gosh, I don't even know how old. I planned my wedding from the time I was probably five or six. So I get that. Gypsy decided that the best and only way to make her dreams a reality was to sign up for an online dating site. And that's where she ended up meeting the, quote, love of her life, Nicholas Godijohn. <laughs> Gypsy said in an interview that when she saw Nick's profile, she thought he was cute, so she sent him a wink. He sent her a wink back, and they began a message back and forth. Within three days, they were absolutely over the moon for one another. Their conversation started out sweet and innocent, like, where would you want to get married at? Where would you want to go on your honeymoon? Stuff like that. And Gypsy thought that she had really truly found the man that would take her away from her personal hell. Gypsy didn't tell Nick everything that had been going on in her life though. She let him believe that she was sick, disabled, and someone who needed a wheelchair and a lot of medication. But as Gypsy and Nick grew closer, she began to think that Nick really was a guy that she could trust and that she could tell him the truth. So one night, while chatting online, Nick told Gypsy that he would protect her from anyone and anything. And she asked him, even my mom? And that's when Gypsy spilled all of her secrets. And they began trying to plan a way to get Gypsy out of her mother's house and run away together so that they could live out their fairy tale. Their first plan, Plan A, was for Nick to come to Springfield and plan a meetup at the local movie theater. Gypsy bought a bus ticket for Nick, and they planned to meet at the viewing of the live-action Cinderella. Terrible movie, by the way. If you haven't seen it, don't waste your time. 
when Dee Dee and Gypsy, who was all decked out in a Cinderella costume, got to the theater, Nick was there in a suit and tie. They immediately wanted to run to each other and embrace, but with Dee Dee being right there, they were unable to do anything. Instead, they acted like they didn't know each other and proceeded to go into the theater to watch the movie. Gypsy said that Dee Dee absolutely despised Nick. She said her mother said that he was weird because he was an adult male in a theater alone watching what was considered a kid's movie. Gypsy said, looking back, it was a little weird, but that was the best plan that they could come up with. I mean, I too think it's weird that a grown man would go and see a kid's movie, but I also think it's weird that a grown woman who has a grown adult daughter would dress her up in a Cinderella costume to take her to go see Cinderella, all while making her believe and making the world believe that she was sick and dying so maybe it's not that weird so gypsy and nick are sitting there stealing glances longing to be able to actually meet in person and so gypsy told Dee Dee that she needed to use the bathroom and a few minutes later, Nick got up and followed her. Gypsy waited for Nick outside of the bathrooms and then proceeded to enter the bathroom together where they would then have sex in the handicap stall. Afterwards, they returned to the theater and continued watching their movie with no other contact with one another, pretending like nothing ever happened. After the movie, Nick went back home to Big Bend, Wisconsin, and when they chatted online again later on, they decided that they probably needed a plan B. It would be almost three years of being in this relationship for the events to take place, but when the ball got rolling, it would be almost impossible to stop. I think I should also add that during this relationship, Nick was very clear that he wasn't quite, quote, normal. He told Gypsy that he had alter egos and that he was really a 500-year-old vampire named Victor. That Victor was evil and Victor would kill. He also told her that he was really into BDSM and wanted Gypsy to be his sub. I'm not gonna go into the details of that. If you really want to know, you can look it up yourself, if you don't already know. So, they did a, on a lot of online role-playing, even having Gypsy create her own alter egos to match Nick's. He told her that he loved having her as his girlfriend, but he wanted his other alters to have girlfriends too. And so, she wanted to make him happy and so she created altars for his altars this is really important because it would be ruby gypsy's evil ego and victor nick's evil ego that would plan and execute the plan to kill dd Dee Dee blanchard and that's where we are gonna end this episode 
This case has a lot to it. It's a case of child abuse and Munchausen by proxy, but it also involves the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard. So tune in next week to hear the rest of this insane story and hear the update on where Gypsy Rose Blanchard is at today. As always, thank you all for listening and make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Also, be sure to leave me a five-star review because you know it really helps your girl out. Until next week, stay safe and I'll see you then. Thank you.